0: This is episode number 55 with Roger Lee. Welcome to Ships. My name is Pat McCandrew, and I am a professional actor, speaker, and coach. In every episode, we discuss a message related to the most important vessels in our lives. Thanks for being here today. Now let's set sail. Hello everyone, welcome to today's episode of Ships. I am very excited for this one. We are going to be interviewing my good friend Roger Lee, who I've known for almost about 10 years now, and he is both an entrepreneur and artist working in the dance field, and I think you'll really get a lot out of this episode. Roger Lee is the managing director, owner, and founder of Roger Lee Arts LLC, a business producing dance company concerts, portrait drawings, and artist career coaching since 2012. He wrote the e-book, Career Advice for Visual and Performing Artists, based on his 18 years of professional experience as an award-winning visual and performing artist. Roger is also an educational professional with 12 years of teaching and administrative experience. He currently serves as a program manager, the entrepreneur-in-residence, and adjunct professor at Drexel University's Close School of Entrepreneurship, the nation's first independent entrepreneurship degree-granting school. Roger previously served as an adjunct professor at Eastern University's Campello College of Graduate and Professional Studies, Loeb School of Education, and the dance department at Temple University. He's also worked as a freelance dance teaching artist and an on-air dance instructor. Roger and I cover a wide variety of important topics in this episode. Roger talks about how failure is essential and often more important than success. He discusses with us how important it is to change our mindset and to always question whether we're working for ourselves or working for someone else. He also emphasizes the importance of doing your own thing as an artist. So, this is an incredibly great episode to tune in for, whether you be an artist or entrepreneur. In this case, Roger is both. So, depending on what life you lead, or if you lead both, I think you will get a lot of value out of this episode. So, with all of that said, let me please introduce Roger Lee. hello everyone welcome back to the ships podcast today's guest is roger lee roger thank you so much for being with us today
1: hey pat thanks so much for having me it's an honor and privilege to be here
0: i'm very excited to dive into this episode we've known each other i think it's been almost 10 years now Yeah, we've known each other for a while. And of course, we've always been very supportive of the work and career pursuits that we're doing. And I was very excited to have you on this show, because you're both an entrepreneur and artist. And I think in a lot of ways, artists are their own entrepreneurs. But I think a lot of artists forget about that. And you're doing it in a way that's incredibly effective. So I'm really excited to dive in and have you share your experiences with our audience.
1: Well, thank you so much and congrats on your podcast, by the way. It's
0: amazing. It's uh, really great. Right. Thank <laughs> you. I, I appreciate that. So I'm wondering if you could just start off by telling us a bit about your journey. What inspired you to get into dance and what led you on the path you're pursuing today? Sure.
1: So my name is Roger William from Philadelphia, born and raised, and I actually started out few people know this, but I started out as a visual artist. So from the time I was five until 18, I was taking Saturday classes, uh, summer immersion programs, and drawing, painting, 3D art, and graphic design. So by trade, I'm a visual artist, kind of stumbled on the dance path by accident. Um, My mom saw an advertisement for the Fox Network in the early 2000s, and they were looking for cute kids, teens or tweens to kind of come on the show, start a hip hop dance team and help You know, kind of rev up support for the show and viewership every time they made 20 30 40 cuts somehow i made it to the next level so in the end a guy picked and um
0: so you so you had no idea then that you were going to be a dancer you just kind of got thrown into this and was it during that process that you really started to Enjoyed dance and you discovered this like new passion that you didn't know existed?
1: That's a great question. I think um, my love affair with dance was gradual. It definitely did not start out that way. Uh, dance was painful for me. You know, I was like the 13 year old awkward kid who kind of started really late, where a lot of the people started at the you know, age of three, four, or five. So I had a lot of catching up to do. I was that guy with a full beard in the beginner ballet class with five girls. <laughs> So, you know, there's, like, a lot of embarrassment, a lot of, like, body aches, and like growing pains as, like, being a pubescent teenager at the time. So it was rough for me. I definitely didn't start out loving it. But I think within the first, like, three to four years, I decided that dance was for me and that I need to really take it seriously if I was going to pursue it at all. I'm kind of like a go-big-or-go-home person. So, you know, I was at a crossroads at the end of high school where I said, either I'm going to do this full throttle or I'm just not going to do it at all. And it took me getting into a – the former Pennsylvania Governor School for the Arts, to realize that dance was for me. Uh, there was a five-week immersion program in Erie, Pennsylvania, a small suburban college campus. And again, being from Philly, I never had that experience prior, so it totally changed my trajectory. It made me apply to college dance programs. It made me train really hard on the weekends and all the times I wasn't at school. So, yeah, I kind of found out around like 17 or 18, the dance was going to be Something that took extremely seriously and kind of made the profession out of
0: wow, so it was really in high school that you came to this realization then that you wanted to pursue dance and were the most people in your life? supportive of you pursuing dance because obviously with any performing arts there's this sort of it's not your your standard nine to five trajectory that you're doing no and so were the most most people in your life very supportive of it that did you you know go against some resistance of of pursuing dance
1: hmm. Hmm. so you know i want to piggyback real quickly so yeah it's definitely like a nine-to-nine nine profession right it's uh something that has like no end to it it's all the time and you know, I definitely had a lot of support. I feel very blessed that my parents kind of believed in me before I believed in myself. So I always had my family support. Friends were pretty supportive. I feel like the support I did not receive was actually from the dance community in the very beginning.
0: Interesting. Why Why do you think that was?
1: I think because I was the artist that danced. You know, we all kind of have our own brand, and I definitely came into it as like the shy visual artist who never took a formal dance class and that kind of was my brand and I was very proud of it and wore it on my sleeves and I was like I'm a natural and I don't really train and I don't really have technique and you know at the time I was like really proud of that. (laughs) I think it kind of rubbed some folks you know the wrong way because um, obviously dance is a disciplined art form as all of them are but it's extremely disciplined on your body and your mind and it wasn't until later that I actually appreciated the studio time but you know being like a teenager you just kind of get stuck in your own thought process. And, you know, for me, it was like hip hop is everything and no other dance form really matters. So I was actively rebelling against ballet, jazz, all the standard studio forms. And it really took some growing up. It took some college. It took some time to realize that uh, other dance forms are just as awesome. And, you know, I think I kind of did earn the respect of the dance community through like taking class and kind of uh, putting in that time.
0: Right, right. Yeah. and so as you were pursuing dance like you said you were also a visual artist so what was it specifically about dance that you were like okay i dance is going to be what i pursue as opposed to going the visual artist route professionally
1: that's a great question so i definitely tortured myself with that decision for a really long time i went to a performing arts high school in philadelphia where you have a lot of you know notable alumni like boys to men jasmine sullivan Eric Alexander to name a few. But um, you know, being there I was a double major and I definitely caught a lot of flack from teachers about that. They said you cannot successfully major in two art forms because you just can't divide your time that way. You know, you you'll be okay at one and okay at the other, but not exceptional in either area. And I just didn't believe that. Like deep down in my spirit I never ever believed that. So of course, you know, my entrepreneurial spirit definitely went against the grayness. I know I'm definitely prove you wrong and show that I can do this. So, um, yeah, double majored all through high school. But as I went to college, uh, again, hit the crossroads and now a few people know this, but I actually ended up double majoring my first year at their sinus where I met you, uh, years later, I ended up double majoring in studio art and dance and it took a oh, wow. Yeah. So a lot of people have no idea. They're well, you're just dancing, but I definitely was serious about art too, up until about 18, 19. But Somewhere along the way, um, a professor of mine, he left. And he was one of the best portrait artists I've ever met, ever witnessed in my life. And it did something to me. When he left, I said, I don't think I'm interested anymore. Yeah, I kind of saw myself like training under him and like, you know, an apprentice fashion, real old school style. And when he left, it just kind of uh, put out that flame for me at the time. So I said, you know what, I'm going to focus on dance and kind of switch my studio art major to communications. And I thank God that I did that because... Lo and behold, I got injured a year later and I had to take off a semester from dance. So, luckily, I was a communications major so I could stay in school. I started getting really serious about writing. And what did I write about? Of course, dance. So, I just edited our school newspaper and um, kind of like combined my love for dance and communications at that point. But, you know, everything for a reason. I just feel like it was the perfect thing to happen at that time.
0: Right. I, th- I think that moments like that are so pivotal in our lives when we have to make a certain decision. And it really, in a lot of ways, changes the trajectory of our lives in some way. Mm-hmm. And so I'm wondering if you could, I, I want to dive a little bit deeper in this, specifically about when you were d- studying studio art, and then that professor left, and then you decided that that wasn't what you wanted to do. Like, what was that, what was that feeling like exactly? Because I think there's a lot of people out there, probably a lot of our listeners as well, where they are hitting these crossroads and they're trying to figure out what decision is the right decision. Mm -hmm. And I think that we never fully know maybe a hundred percent, maybe some of us do, but I'm wondering if you could elaborate on like how, how you made those decisions when you hit those crossroads.
1: Mm, You're good. (laughs) I love these questions. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. (laughs) I try. um, I try. For me, decision-making, yeah, decision-making has always been um, something I struggle with, you know, and I'm getting better at it now, but it's definitely been like a multiple decade-long process. I think it took me getting over the fear of failing and realizing that failure is a part of life, that it's natural, that it's inevitable, and that you actually learn more from failing than you do from succeeding. So when I matured in my thought process, I think then I became a lot less nervous about making the wrong choice, quote unquote. Realizing that there really is no wrong choice, it's just a choice. Uh, We all have them, right? We all make them every day. I think another thing for me was definitely prayer. Um, Always consult God when I'm making decisions. And I learned that he's kind of like a GPS in my life. Um, You know, if I'm going the wrong way, he'll kind of alert me. If I'm not, then he won't. So (laughs) I've learned to kind of like go with my gut and trust my own instinct as I kind of navigate and make decisions. And of course, you like ask your friends and family and loved ones. It's definitely natural. And I'm really, really blessed to be surrounded by some amazingly talented, loving and smart people. So, yeah, I always consult with friends and family, too, just to see how they're perceiving the whole situation, because, you know, as artists and entrepreneurs, we can get stuck in our own heads sometimes and kind of torture ourselves with decision making. So it helps to ask an unbiased person what they think about. it.
0: Right. Yeah. It really is amazing to just and I love I love what you say that in a lot of cases, sometimes failure is more important than success Mm -hmm. and and that sometimes you just have to make a decision and then you figure out along the way, whether it's through failures or maybe even successes, too whether or not it was the the right decision. And that's not to say you could all, you know, can't change course and go mm-hmm. a different direction as well. So I just wanted to point that out. Like that's, that's so important to always keep that in mind.
1: Well, thank you. Now i would love to add to that real quick too, that, um, yeah, I love what you just said about the fact that we can change, right? We're alive, we're breathing, so we can always change. I think in today's like digital world, we get really caught up on titles and brands and followers and all these things but we literally have the power within us to change at any given moment at any time for any reason so i think sometimes we have to just change our mindset and like loosen those shackles around decisions and realize like some things are temporary some things are longer standing some things are forever right but fewer forever and sometimes we put that forever status on things that are just temporary or really small fish so to speak so you know, for all the listeners out there, it's okay to change course. It's okay to make a mistake. If you're alive, you're breathing, then you have another chance to get it right, quote unquote.
0: Yeah. Now, speaking in the realm of making decisions, there are many dancers, really very much like yourself, who will graduate from school and then start to do the whole audition process. But you decided to do something a bit different. You decided to create your own dance company. And so I'm wondering if we could dive into that a little bit. Why did you decide to take this entrepreneurial path?
1: That's a great question, Pat. So I always dreamed of having a dance company. um, For as long as I've been dancing, to be honest, I feel like very early on in my training, I fell in love with the process of choreography and creating opportunities for other dancers. It's kind of always the dancer that would boost up the dancers around me. And I didn't really see them as competitors. But just saw them as artists who had something special to bring to the table just like I did and always found like camaraderie and that and I think that that positioned me uniquely to start a dance company um another reason is that again since I love choreography I did not want to have to travel all the time and constantly seek out other companies to set work on I said why not create my own home base in my hometown of Philly with the dancers that I want to select and really build something here and have like a palette to build on each and every year, every season, the choreograph of the win. So those are kind of my thoughts around building a company. Also, I was looking for a way to leverage my visual arts background. So for me, I see dance as like a totally visceral experience where some people only want to look at the movement. I'm looking at like lights and costumes and hair and makeup. So all of those details uh, down to the playbill, you know, all of our graphics and things and kind of doing all that. So for me, this was like the, perfect opportunity just to let all my creativity flow in one arena and I will say that I did dance for a lot of people um, especially coming out of college like in 2010 I think I danced for like four or five companies and definitely did a little bit of regional touring and music videos and like national tv appearances but I realized early on that dance is a lot of work that if you do it professionally as an adult you're going to live in the studio and for me, I thought that the best use of my time would be to actually create my own thing and give other artists opportunity.
0: Right. I, I really love that too. And I think there's something to be said about the power of leading or really the power of building something and then the opportunity to give other people opportunities as well. I think that's something mm. that is is very important, especially as artists, where a lot of times it feels like we could be grasping at anything or almost like pulling Mm -hmm. teeth to try to get an opportunity to work. And I think that a big part of it too is creating your own work also.
1: Amen to that. And, you know, it kind of goes on something we were discussing earlier, Pat, which was decision-making. So a lot of artists struggle with that because historically we're trained to not make our own decisions, right? We're trained to be in the studio for 17, 18 years of our lives and take creative direction from well-intended instructors. Then you go from there and they say, okay, well, if you wanna do this professionally, then you need to get an agent or a manager and then they'll make all of your business decisions. So you see a trend here, right? It's the fact that we're constantly being told what to do by other people. And we're really not being trained to think for ourselves and to make our own choices. So I think it makes a lot of sense as to why artists struggle, but I think with today's technology and it being 2019, we need to write a new narrative and really start training up more entrepreneurial thinking artists who aren't afraid to like come up with their own brand, their own ideas, and put them out in the world. Because I always say you're going to work really hard. You're either going to do that for yourself or for somebody else. And I think for far too long we work hard for other people. And then as we near retirement, or you know we're old and gray, then we decide to step out on our own. But you know you want your uh, you want your early years to also be some time to develop the things that you envision and that you create. So yeah, for me, I think being like a young entrepreneurial artist was definitely something that I had to do if I was going to you know, work professionally in the industry.
0: Yes. I absolutely love that concept of working for yourself or working for someone else. Are you working for your own dreams and goals or for someone else's dreams and goals? I think I think that's so important to always keep in mind because we could end up at well, once we're older looking back and kind of regretting that we didn't do certain things or we didn't make certain decisions about our lives.
1: Absolutely. And I couldn't agree more. And I also think along those lines, as we develop our own stuff and achieve success in that arena, it builds a lot of confidence and it gives you a lot of tenacity and tough skin that you need to continue the success, right? So, you know, the flip side of that is like sometimes the audition circuit where you can come out feeling extremely defeated, being put down all the time and judged on your looks and your talent and it has the adverse effect where then you kind of do build up tough skin but it's rather than like a lot of pain and negativity and sadness and I'd much rather be building up a tough skin based on things that you know I've created and succeeded in so you know just challenge artists if you are going to like audition and do those things just do something for yourself as well you know understand it takes a lot of time a lot of money energy to do your own thing and I'm not advocating for people to just drop everything and run and become an entrepreneur right because there's a process to it for sure um but i will say this it's important to do it at least simultaneously right so if you're auditioning 10 times a day then have at least one project that you're working on that year right but don't give up on your dreams in the pursuit of somebody else's
0: yes Ah, uh, it's so important And this actually segues nicely into my next question. Obviously, you have this dance company where you put on a wide variety of concerts, a wide variety of art, and you also train a bunch of artists in career coaching. So I'm wondering if you could tell us about that. Why were you inspired to create a coaching practice specifically for artists?
1: That's a great question. So for me, it was because I did not have that when I was starting out. Um, you know, for 18 years I went without an agent manager publicist and I definitely had to figure out things on my own you know our individual career successes to add to the professionalism of the entire arts field so kind of wanted to be a major figure in that space I came up with the idea of doing one-on-one consultations specifically for artists because we don't get enough of that like I said you know we have people always telling us what to do or doing things for us but how many of us have, you know, a trusted resource to say, well, what do you want to do? And then help you figure out the game plan to get there. I feel like if I had that sort of coaching or mentorship, um, I just don't know <laughs> where I would be or what, what things would be like for me. So I just want to provide that opportunity to emerging and established artists because the truth is even if you're established, if you've been established one way, then, you know, you can definitely change. Like we talked about earlier, um, you can always grow. But then if you're emerging, you definitely need this type of guidance. So you know, I came up with a one-on-one career coaching program. Um, this kind of sp- spun off into uh, artist career talks. And, you know, once I gave my own TED Talk, I was like, I just love this and going to schools and talking to, you know, emerging artists about careers. So I came up with that program as well. And then all of this is inspired by um, my latest e-book, which is called Career Success Steps for Visual and Performing Artists. And I wrote it for both parties because I think we're all connected, you know. People always want to draw the distinction well, i'm a painter i'm a drawer i'm a you know musician dancer but we're all in this together we're all the same thing and trust and believe that society sees us the same so i just want to make like one book one guide to kind of get people going in the right direction
0: yes then this is so important too because while it's incredibly important to get involved in the craft of whether you're a dancer or an actor it's also critically important to know the skills and the business skills that are essential as well. And so I'm wondering, like, what, what are some examples of things that you help artists with that you coach them on?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. So I help them in a variety of areas. Of course, to start with creativity, um, sometimes we just need somebody to help us figure out how to get our art out there. And then we all have the vision for it, but actually producing it, turning it into a tangible product like whether it's a show or an actual painting, that takes work. So I definitely help people with creativity. Mindset is another area I coach in. So how do you think like a successful entrepreneur slash artist? That's really important. Um, our thoughts kind of dictate our path and where we end up. So mindset coaching is huge for me. Um, entrepreneurship, of course. So helping artists figure out ways to generate revenue from their services, products, events, and programs. we're good at creating these things but a lot of times we don't have the revenue side figured out yet so i'm really really big on helping artists monetize what they have because I deep down believe that what we have is extremely valuable whether society says so or not i know it's valuable and i know that with the right mindset and the right coaching like people will pay for the things that you're offering so i'm happy to do that um employment coaching is another side so for people that do want to go on the audition circuit and, you know, get more traditional jobs, which is totally cool because it's sustainable and it pays the bills. I help them with that too. So like things from resume to um, cover letters and CVs and I believe that's it. But um yeah, those are just some of the areas I like to hit with my artists.
0: Yeah, it's it's great. Speaking from a past <laughs> client personally, I highly recommend Roger. So if any of you listeners out there, you know, we'll discuss where to get your information at the end. They'll have the opportunity to to go in and and check out your information. I highly recommend him as a coach. Oh, thank you. So no, I really appreciate it. Yeah, 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 absolutely. So I want to dive in a little bit more too. So, you know, we're we're talking about like your entrepreneurial journey. And we discussed this a little bit earlier, but I'm wondering if you could dive in a little bit more specifically. Uh, I'm wondering if you could tell us what it, is it about dance specifically that speaks to you greater than any other artistic medium?
1: That's deep. I think uh, for me, dance and is very similar to music for me actually, but I think dance is like one of the most natural forms of human expression. You can look at we're in history, any civilization, and realize that people dance to survive. They dance to have fun, for ceremonies and things. So dance has like always been a part of us, and I think everybody has the ability to be a dancer. It's just some have training and some don't. Some have confidence in it, some don't, and some have two left feet. <laughs> uh, some don't. <laughs> but basically, uh, dance is something that all of us can do. For me, it's it's just like so natural. You know? It's like you're able to really bare your soul without speaking. And like I said, I was a shy visual artist when I started out. Like if you had told me, you know, 10 years down the line, I'd be teaching and coaching and speaking in public. I'd say not at all. (laughs) You're wrong. But, you know, it was always about dance. Uh, When I wasn't confident in those areas, it was always about just moving my body and kind of finding confidence and the voice within that. So. I think dance has the power to really unlock that for people who just aren't as comfortable expressing themselves in other ways.
0: And what would you say to the person who may be like, oh, I really want to be a dancer. I love dance. And I, oh, I would love to be a dancer someday. But maybe there's someone who are in their 20s, 30s, 40s, maybe even 50s. And it's like this passion they've always wanted to pursue. But at this point, they're like, "Uh, you know, I, I can't do this. Like, what what would you advise to them?
1: Yeah, I think the first thing, again, I probably sound like a broken record about this, but change the mindset, right? See yourself as not even aging, but just seasoning, I like to call it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, not f- that <laughs> ever since I got to 30, I'm like, we're going to use the seasoning more. <laughs> um, but no, it's really important to change your mindset and just realize that, okay, age is just a number. You know, it's all about how you feel, not the number. And beyond that, it's just never too late, right? So if you are really serious about it, I think the second step would then be to actually put that thought into action and say, well, I'll take class. I think a lot of times people have these big dreams, and then when, then they move on to another dream. Um, so I would have to say, like, just be ready to work hard, you know, put the money where the mouth is kind of thing. and Get in some classes, you know, work on uh, eating healthily, training your body, stretching, working out. And you might surprise yourself with the results. But, um, yeah, definitely, you know, unfortunately, there's no dance genie that... <laughs> just comes in Grand technique <laughs> yeah. yeah you definitely have to put it right, blood sweat and tears and I have to say that does make it a really distinct art form you know every art form requires a lot of strenuous work but the dance is really really physical so it's going to take some time in the studio and in the gym but I think the results are worth it
0: right right there was something that you said before about how dance is the most natural form of human expression. Mm-hmm. And I absolutely love that, that's so true. It's just when you hear music, a lot of times you can't help but dance or yeah. even just like tap your foot along to it, maybe clap. And so I'm wondering, so much of what we talk about on this podcast is about relating to one another, it's about human connection. And so how can we use dance to better our relationship, not only with ourselves, but with each other as a community as well? That's that's a great
1: question. I believe that we can actually connect with each other through dance by just doing it. So many times we stop ourselves, right? We go to a party, we go to a class, and we kind of chicken out. We just don't want to dance. We don't want people to judge our bodies and all that. But I think when you just let loose and actually move with other people, it can't help but connect you. Um, so many friends I've met that way right so whether it's like a salsa club or a hip-hop class there's just like a shared experience when like people are moving together two or more and I think it's a cool way to connect especially in this really saturated digital age where we tend to just like and poke and tweet and all those things so I think it's really important to just go back to basics and go and introduce yourself say hi to shake hands and the dance with people you know it's what our grandparents did and what our parents did I'm thinking about like disco and those eras where people just danced all night long and, you know, met partners and friends that way. So maybe we should try it again.
0: Oh, yeah. I'm a big believer that that sort of dance or that sort of social atmosphere would be amazing. Like that's different than like going to a club. And I guess, you know, going to a club has its own value in Mm -hmm. some way. (laughs) But yeah, it's like going to like a dance hall and like legitimately dancing. Yeah, I think there's, there's a lot a lot of great things about that.
1: There are, and, you know, I think it's the equalizer, too, because a lot of times people are like, oh, I can't get out there because I don't have any training. But trust me, like, you could be the best, most technical trained dancer, and that's not necessarily going to help you out there either, right? Nobody's doing, um, you know, technical ballet on the dance floor a lot of times. So it kind of is an equalizer where, like, trained and untrained bodies alike can just come together and move naturally. I just think it's something so cool about that.
0: Now, Roger, so much of what we talk about, like I said before, on this podcast is about relationships and so much of what you do in your work, whether it's as a dancer or running your dance company or your business ventures is about creating and establishing meaningful relationships, whether it be the people in your company, the clients that you're coaching, or even your audiences. Mm -hmm. So I'm wondering if you could share with our audience who is listening in today What would your definition of a deep, meaningful relationship be?
1: Well, this is really good and (laughs) deep. Meaningful relationship is definitely a two-way street. And I can't stress that enough. I think so many people think that they're in a relationship with others and they're not because it's very one-sided. It's all about them, all about what they need, all about what they want to say. But true relationship is actually a two-way exchange. So you're bringing value to that relationship. But then you're also vulnerable enough to kind of receive the value that other people are bringing to it. So you're able to be loved. You're able to be helped. You're able to be coached and molded, so to speak. I think that's huge. Um, but it does take you being vulnerable. It takes you being humble enough to realize that you're just like one half of that equation. And then you really need to listen to other people and kind of meet them where they are if you want to have an effective relationship. So I always laugh. And uh, when I think about it, right, but in American society, I feel like, hi. How are you doing? It's just become a, a statement. Are you, we don't really want to know how people are doing. We just say it as we pass by, and then as they open their mouths, we're gone. So I think we have to get <laughs> yeah. back to basics. Like it's not a statement. It's a question. Like if you're going to ask it, actually be prepared for the answer, until like, I come to people's rescue if you can. You know. Yes. but um, I do think I lost a lot of you know relationship building and community building. And, I just, you know, I spent a lot of time with elders in my work and all that, and I really love the stories they share about just how, like, neighborhoods and blocks and cities were, like, really, you know, on one accord back in the day, and people were supporting each other. and The whole notion of, like, it takes a village to raise a child, they put that into practice, you know. If a child got in trouble at school, then they got in trouble at home because the teacher and the parent were on one accord. and I don't know, it's just kind of sad today. I feel like we've lost a lot of that. We've become very individualistic and selfish in a lot of ways. And as a result, I think our relationships have suffered. And I don't think social media has helped with that. Well, I love it and I use it a lot. Um, I do think sometimes it can be abused and kind of get in the way of true relationship building, which goes deeper than just a like, but actually entails a conversation.
0: Right. How do do you think that we can improve those uh, relationships or maybe even get back to the way that it was that it used to be where it is this this village mentality
1: yeah i think we have to let our guards down um there's so much going on in society like politically and in other ways but um i think we just kind of have to let our guards down enough to realize that like people are humans and that they're innately good and that everybody's like you know created with a divine purpose and that they're special and valuable so i think that's the number one way to start but then also, like, kind of coming off of computers and phones for a little bit, you know, challenge yourself. Maybe you could do it for like 20 minutes a day and then maybe you can move up to an hour, right? But just get back to actually like face to face human interaction again. Cause you'd be shocked at how many people don't, you know, how many people literally go a day without truly interacting with somebody face to face.
0: Right. Roger, thank you so much for joining us on the Ships podcast today. I not only appreciate you coming out and taking the time to be on the show, but I also really appreciate the work that you're doing. So much of what you do in your work with your dance company and your coaching inspires me for what I do in my work. And so it really means, it really means a lot to me that you're able to come out on the show. Well, thank you.
1: I'm so inspired by you too. Yeah, seeing I've seen you grow for a decade and very, very proud.
0: So before signing off, I'm just wondering if you can share with our listeners maybe a platform or website where they could find out more information about you and your work.
1: Absolutely. So my website is RogerLeeArts.com and you can find me on all social media outlets at Roger Lee Arts
0: oh awesome perfect (laughs) that's easy enough (laughs) for our listeners about
1: the branding (laughs) yeah yeah
0: for our listeners out there i'll be sure to include links to those uh various platforms and websites in our show notes so feel free to scroll down and check those out so roger thank you so much again for joining us on the show
1: well thank you for having me Pat.
0: have it everyone roger lee i really hope you enjoyed this episode especially if you are an entrepreneur working in an artistic industry i hope there were some key things in what roger was saying that you could implement into your own lives so as to improve your craft so as to improve your business ventures so roger thank you so much for coming on the show If you liked this episode, please feel free to subscribe, share it with a friend, leave a review over on Apple Podcasts. I would really appreciate it. You also have the opportunity to support this podcast. Supporting this episode will allow me to continue making amazing episodes with inspiring guests. So if you're interested in supporting, please feel free to scroll down in the show notes and click the link provided thank you so much for tuning into the ships episode as always everyone i really appreciate hearing your thoughts hearing your enthusiasm and hearing about how the ships podcast is helping you in your life so thank you so much for tuning in and i look forward to joining you all in the next episode